0: Well, hi, a very warm welcome to our Generation podcast. It's a little bit different today. It's kind of belt and braces. Um, Like everyone else, we are confined to home during this lockdown. But uh, my guest today is not confined in any way. She is Elaine Duncan, who works for the Bible Society. Welcome, Elaine. Thank you, David. Nice to be with you. Can you tell us your exact job title? Because I always get it mixed up.
1: Well, I'm the Chief Executive Officer of the Scottish Bible Society.
0: Doesn't mm-hmm. that sound grand? Absolutely. Well, back in the day, people of like you were known as general secretaries or something. So the visions of a typewriter and lots of things like that.
1: Yeah, well, I tell everybody that um, i you know, I don't really look like a CEO and I don't often behave like a CEO. So.
0: No, no, you're one of the enfant terribles of the Scottish Church, of course. Elaine, tell, well, us, tell us your story a wee, a wee bit. How did you get to the Bible Society? What is your, your ministry story?
1: Well, um, that's an interesting question, David. My own desire was to serve the Lord as a clinical psychologist. And mm. uh, I studied psychology, worked in a psychiatric unit to get some experience, um, and was looking to uh, get onto a clinical psychology course. This is all back in the early 80s, because I'm quite old. And the um, lot of different ideas. And I spent 14 years working with the Universities and Colleges Christian Fellowship, and then 11 years working with Scripture Union in Scotland. Uh, And then 13 years ago, went to the Scottish Bible Society. So Mm -hmm. it's an interesting journey because it wasn't my plan. I wouldn't change it. Uh, Now that I look back, it's always best to say yes to the Lord. Um, I haven't always said yes without a little argument or Mm -hmm. a discussion. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, yeah, so I guess as I look back on those three areas of ministry with different Christian organizations. The, the thing that has been consistent through it all is my desire to help people know God better through the Bible.
0: Mm-hmm. That's been the link of the th- between the three organizations.
1: Yeah, and expressed in different ways and in and different roles, but that really has probably been the, the core.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, as I look at UCCFSU and the Bible Society of Scotland, these are three really well-run, I think, good organisations. Um, can, you, can you think about, well, what do you think, looking at any organisation, whether you know, it could be a church, it could be a school, it could be a hospital, well, what do you think are of, of the hallmarks of, of a good organisation?
1: I think what's key to any organization is uh, staying focused on the mission that God has given you. And, you know, there are all sorts of things that any Christian organization could get involved in, but actually keeping a mission focus is really key. The second thing I would say is really important is actually take care of your staff and your volunteers. Really, really look after the folk that God has called to work uh, alongside you. Um, and then I think the third one that I find quite challenging, and we're not always very good at it in Scotland, and that is be open to partnerships. So um, people often talk, about, even in Christian circles, they talk about the competition
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, in terms of other Christian agencies or other churches, I don't think that's a concept that fits well within the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. And so I think partnerships and cheering one another on in our different areas of ministry and mission, I think is really important.
0: Okay, I I, I get your point there about the Scottish thing, you know, folk out there talk about tribalism, maybe in the Scottish context, it's, it's a clan mentality. Um, do you think that's worse in Scotland than anywhere else? I mean, there is a sense Scotland's a small country. You and I go to various things. It's very often the same people who, who are there. We seem to go on really well. Um, is it really worse than anywhere else?
1: I, I don't, I suspect it isn't worse because human nature is human nature wherever one mm-hmm. lives. Um, maybe we notice it more in Scotland because we are small and we do know one another. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, you know, often the good relationships that we have in Scotland don't always lead to good collaboration. Yeah. And and so, so I think that's the step that we maybe struggle a little bit about. The good relationships are, are vital, and that's you have to start there. Um. But I, I do sometimes wonder whether things that are a little bit more collaborative uh, would be good for the country.
0: What does collaboration look like? Are you thinking even in basic terms of telling one another what you're doing?
1: I think, I think there are a number of threads to it. Um, you know, so, so actually, the situation that we're in at the moment, I suspect, will lead to more collaboration mm-hmm. because they, as... Many of us will have experienced just over these last few days, social media is now our main way of communicating through various um, channels, and it's very busy out there. Mm -hmm. Um, So actually, a good collaboration would be saying, look, could could we perhaps collaborate in order to say less so that more will be heard? Okay. Yeah. That's,
0: just, that's just one idea. Okay, right. so that's a great idea. So going back to, you know, the present situation, this recording is in week one of, well, we, we've got to call it a lockdown because it is a lockdown. Um, you, you and I, Elaine, were just talking about this earlier. Both of our diaries have evaporated. You know, everything's cancelled, uh, but we've had to... Fill them up how's the Bible society How, how's life in your world what's what's changed
1: well Bible House is closed and we're now all working from home um, the great thing about technology is that our main phone line can still be answered. Jenny is a uh, man in that that's been transferred to her number uh, so she's at, at home still busy answering the phone um Many of our team, particularly those that are working uh, in our national ministry, so providing resources for the church in Scotland, are quite used to working at home from time to time. Mm -hmm. So uh, they're kind of geared up and are are still working. We're having to rethink how we do contact with our supporters because obviously a lot of what we do is paper-based through direct mail. Um, and people sending us uh, letters, checks, that sort of thing. So having to rethink how we do that. Mm-hmm. I'm pleased to say that our donation uh, line is still open. And, Excellent. Uh, Robert, yeah, Ro- Robert is in the donation line. Um, but one of the things about our supporters is we like to keep in touch with them. Um, Not just to ask them for money, but to say thank you to them, to encourage them um, and to encourage everybody to read the Bible more Uh um, at times like this. So social media, obviously, is the way we can do it. But some of our supporters are a, a wee bit older and maybe not so involved with social media. So some of the team... We'll be uh, on the phone to people, just finding out if they're okay, asking if there's particular things we can pray for them, just to try and maintain those relationships, uh, because relationship is uh, very important to us.
0: Absolutely. Um, Have you done virtual church yet? Have you attended or spoken at virtual church last Sunday?
1: Um, I didn't speak in one. I, I joined my local church. Okay. How, how did it feel for you? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, a week ago, my minister and I, we, we kind of did a small group meeting together so that others could join in and had a bit of a discussion around a, a Bible passage. So, yeah, yeah, we're, we're experimenting with the whole online
0: thing. Yeah, I mean, I I was at a virtual service last Sunday. Obviously, it wasn't as good as the real thing, but I, I had a sense of having been at church. It was quite funny with a bit of a, a roast beef dinner afterwards. Maybe that added to it. But uh, you know, it, but but it's not it's not the future, is it?
1: No, it's it's not the future, and and I think you know for everybody just to remember that this situation is temporary. It will pass. I think the, the interesting thing that, that we're all being <clears throat> encouraged to do is is, is physical distance. Um, and I, I think the fact that it's been called social distancing is not always the most helpful thing, because actually I think the way we're built as human beings, the way that God has designed us, is for relationship. And so when we can't get together physically with our church um, family with our own families with our friends then finding ways that we can still socially connect with those people through the phone through um, the you know technology that that we have then that is just really important and and even if it is standing across the street from someone and having a conversation um, that's a good thing.
0: Great. Can I talk to you a little bit about an initiative that you guys launched uh, this year, Bible 2020? Um, I mean, <laughs> would you say you know you have launched a, a big initiative? I know that we in, in Generation and in Free Church we've had to shelve so many of our initiatives because it just haven't f- uh, fitted. Um, is Bible 2020? <laughs> do you think it's a disaster, or looking back you think no? On the contrary. Wow, Uh, what a a great thing. First of all, tell the good folk out there about Bible 2020 and tell me your thoughts about it in in the current crisis.
1: Yeah, well, Bible 2020 is essentially an invitation to the global church to read a short passage of God's word aloud every day. Uh, That's the call. Uh, to a to a, a kind of global movement in order to kind of unite Christians and to have a kind of sense of, you know, together we are declaring the word of the Lord across the world that he has okay. made. Okay,
0: now just stop you there. When you say it out loud, I, I assume that you maybe mean in the privacy of your own home. I don't mean that you stand up in the middle of the Cannon Street Station underground and, and read it out. Well, why wouldn't you do it? Because I'm shy and retiring.
1: <laughs> no, our our challenge to people is oh. has been to read it out loud in as public a place as possible. Wow! So people have been, you know, sometimes that is just around round the, the breakfast table with your family. Okay. Um, but some folk have been doing it in their offices. Obviously, that's not happening quite so much now. Um, I did it on the train, commuting through to Edinburgh with my train pals, Uh, and folk have done it while they're out walking their dogs, uh, all sorts of different contexts. Now, obviously, now, uh, the the reading plan, we're following a a, Mm -hmm. a, a reading plan, and that's delivered. um, It's it's on a website, bible2020.org. get access to the reading plan there. But also we've encouraged people that if they've got a smartphone to download the app, the Bible 2020 app, it's in the App Store, it's in Google Play. And um, the the verse for the day comes up and you can record yourself reading it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you can put your recording, if you wish, onto a video wall. And on the video, if you look at the video wall, you will find people from lots of different countries reading the same verses in their own language. Wow. And our app developer called that wall the Pentecost wall. Wow. Because it's the word of God being declared in many different languages. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it's been an interesting uh, thing because we, we've probably got people in around about uh, just short of 120 countries who have downloaded the app so it is a global thing not everybody's able or willing to post their uh, video up onto the wall because it does take a little bit of bandwidth uh, to do that but you know we started to plan that project 2 years ago when we launched it on the 1st of January this year and it, it launched in New Zealand as the as the sun came up there little did we know that Within a few weeks, different countries would start to have to be in lockdown and people in isolation because of coronavirus. I think the Lord knew something mm-hmm. that we didn't know. And so, what we now have is actually a simple means by which people can be nourished by the word of God, declare it out loud which we can come to and talk about how that makes a difference, but speak it out loud and then find that they're actually part of the global church. We're not alone. Even if you're alone in your house, you're not alone. The Lord is with you and actually you are part of this incredible family that God is building around the world. I've got a a friend at church who even through January uh, was was telling me that, Bible 2020 to her is a lifeline. She's isolated at home with her teenage daughter who suffers from ex- extreme anxiety. So she's not able to get out anyway, um, even before coronavirus hits. And what she was saying, that, that that sense of being connected, not just with our own local church family, but actually with the global church family, was just an enormous help to her spiritually and emotionally
0: yeah so i mean even someone today i think of folk in a lot of our congregations maybe they're in an or manchrose or um, elgin or Gerloch, you know it's an amazing fact that from their home they can feel connected to something that's so much bigger and um, that's mm-hmm. really quite extraordinary so feedback yeah,
1: it does do something i think to our sense of of well-being actually
0: Okay, now you hinted to me that you wanted to develop the rationale between reading out loud. Unpack that for me a bit. Yeah, it's
1: it's, it's an interesting thing. And Maybe those that are listening, that have ever read the scriptures uh, in church, in the church service, will probably have experienced doing that. Um, if you're not used to it, you experience a level of anxiety. But actually, there is something... Different about speaking something out loud rather than what we might call reading it passively. And um, I think it, it does something to our sense of understanding and to our sense of confidence uh, in God. And when we think about how people engaged with the Bible before we had the printing press... And often it was that the stories that are there in the Bible were passed on generation to generation orally. They were passed on as with people speaking them, telling the story. Um, And since we've had the printing press and more people have been able to access the Bible, we've, we've maybe lost that oral tradition. And there are different Christian organisations around the world who who promote that oral learning. Um, And so it's great that Bible 2020 picks up that thread as well in terms of how we uh, engage. Because when we're reading the Bible, we're not just reading any book. There is something about the dynamic of how God, by his spirit, takes the Bible takes his word and speaks it into our hearts and our minds and we're really engaging with God at that point and he uses the Bible to nourish us and to nurture us and I think the speaking out loud gives us just a maybe a, a slightly different way in which that impacts us
0: Yeah, because I mean, I heard the other day, someone used this expression, which I'll have to chew on. It said that the word without the spirit was dumb. Quite a a controversial statement, and one that I've got to, uh, we'll have to think about that a little bit, but you can see the point, you know, it becomes a dead letter. And so reading the Bible is actually a spiritual issue, and I'm thinking here of Acts chapter 8, when you know, Philip met the Ethiopian eunuch and he was reading from Isaiah. Well, presumably he was reading it out loud. He's gone down his chariot trying to figure out what all this means. You know, uh-huh. Philip yeah. do you understand this stuff? No, you know, tell me about it. That sounds, sounds good. Um, moving on to another initiative that you guys are involved in, which I'm really interested in, is trauma healing in Scotland. Uh, I know that our, our friends up in Smithton, uh, up in Inverness, church up there have uh, launched this, and it's going really, really well. I guess my my question is, you spoke earlier earlier about focus. I, as a Bible society, which is involved in the distribution of a book, also involved in trauma healing, I'm interested in the connection. If you say you're focused, what does one have to do with the other?
1: Uh, Good question, David. The, the first uh, response is that it's not just trauma healing, it's Bible-based trauma healing. So that's the, f- the first thing to clarify, is that um, we are interested in this because of it being very clearly rooted in the Bible. And our journey as the Scottish Bible Society with Trauma Healing actually really started because we were raising funds to help other Bible societies do Bible-based trauma healing in their context, like Syria, like um, they often go to Lebanon for the training um, because of the situation there. We've raised money for uh, the Bible Society in Iraq and the Bible Society in Jordan. The the Bible-based trauma healing program actually was birthed in Africa, um, Democratic Republic of Congo, uh, particularly, and it was a collaboration between Bible translators Mm -hmm. who recognized that they were translating the Bible into local languages for local people, but the ability of those people to really connect with the Bible was limited and hindered because of the trauma that they'd experienced through civil war um, and through genocide, because um, it it was also um, being worked on in Rwanda. And so collaboration between Bible translators, theologians and psychologists gave rise to Bible-based trauma healing. So here we were in Scotland raising funds for um, trauma healing work in, in other parts of the world. And then someone asked us the question, is this not something that we need here in Scotland? The trauma that people experience here in Scotland is not the same mm-hmm. as places like um, Rwanda and the Middle East. But people do experience relational relationship breakdown. Uh, they experience addictions. Uh, bereavement, trauma of different sorts. And so we we held some meetings with church leaders to present um, what Bible-based trauma healing is and ask them, do you think we need this in Scotland? And the resounding answer was, yes, we do. Um, And so we began a series of of training uh, for facilitators. We're not training counsellors. We're training facilitators who... um, you know, facilitate groups to meet in their local context. Um, And we have been astounded at Mm -hmm. how many people have wanted to be trained and we are moved deeply by the feedback that we're getting from facilitators but also from those who've attended groups who are expressing how helpful it is and particularly thrilling for me, is that people talk about how much they connect with God mm-hmm. through it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been one of those things that has taken us a little bit by surprise, um, but we're absolutely delighted with the way the Lord seems to be using it here in Scotland. Mm-hmm.
0: So it's always done in a group context, it's not one-to-one counselling, it's more a group of folk get together.
1: Yeah, yeah. And you know, there's a level of trust that is built uh, with within the group. The the you know issues of of confidentiality are emphasised, and and then it's it literally is engaging with the Bible together.
0: Okay, so the Bible there is certainly not a dead letter. It's actually doing something in the lives of women and, and men in, in you know difficult situations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You spoke about—is that a resource just for the church, or would folk in the local communities be drawn into that as well?
1: I think that depends on the church, actually, mm-hmm. um, because it's certainly not—you um, know—we're not limiting it to the church. But obviously, our our connection in Scotland is is with the church and. Um, the the key thing is that it is overtly Bible based, mm-hmm. and I think it then depends on on how a church wants to use it in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's certainly not limited to church members because often um, it's folk in the church who are connecting with people in the community who are bereaved or who are experiencing addiction or or whatever. So actually. It, it's something that can be used in what we might call more of a, of a mission service context.
0: Okay. So moving on, talking a little bit more about Bible use, um, you and I are familiar with the Transforming Scotland initiative, the, the Barna study that was done on church life in, in Scotland. One statistic that amazed me, It amazes me to the point, I probably don't believe it, but that is another issue. It says, you know, according to Barner, who are recognised, professional, respected pollsters, that in Scotland, 20% of millennials, that is for age between 18 and 35, so Elaine, you and I are just outside that bracket, 20% of millennials read the Bible once a week. Um, were you surprised by that?
1: Yes, I think uh, I would join you in uh, expressing surprise about that. But then when you start to think about it, um, that generation are a thoughtful generation. We we often uh, can caricature them, those of us are, that are a bit older, and think that, um, you know, they're, they're maybe not thinking about the big issues in life and that they're always just communicating on social media and, and all that. And yeah. I think, you know, there are very unhelpful caricatures. And then I think when you spend time with um, folk in, in that age group, you realise that actually they are, they have passionate concerns about the world and, mm-hmm. um, and they do grapple with the big issues of life that every generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think when you start to, to unpick that, then it becomes not quite so surprising mm-hmm. that there, there is at least, even amongst those that are not going to church, mm-hmm. that there is this dipping into the Bible, mm-hmm. which is great.
0: Yeah, I mean, because one, I mean, according to the stats, only 1% of millennials actually attend church. But one stat that I found resonated with my own experience. It says that of millennials, if they had children under the age of five, they were three times more likely to attend church. So that was certainly my experience up there in Smithton that as people moved into their late 20s, early 30s, had children, they became. More thoughtful uh, about you know the bigger issues about the family as they got responsibilities. So the fact that I think they're right in that stat encouraged me to think that they may also be right on <laughs> the other stat. Um, you travel a lot. You've been privileged to see the church worldwide, the the, the global church, the church in majority world. As you, as you go around the world, what what countries? bring a smile to your face. Uh, you're constantly smiling anyway, but even even greater smiles. Where have you really felt, uh, I'll, I'll use an expression. where have you felt the presence of, of God? I, th-
1: I think the short answer, David, is everywhere.
0: Mm. I thought you, <laughs> you might know, say that.
1: And actually, you know, I mean... I, I can't think of anywhere that I've gone that I haven't smiled, but I equally can't think of anywhere I've gone that I haven't cried.
0: Yep, yep. Even in the Free Church General Assembly.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because it, it is very moving to see how God works in different countries with their different challenges and with their different opportunities. And I am Constantly humbled by the people that I meet Mm. in these different places. One of the things that humbles me is there's rarely a country that I've visited where someone has not come up and thanked me because of Scottish missionaries who first took the gospel, opened schools, opened hospitals, and... um, introduced them to the Lord Jesus
0: Mm
1: -hmm. uh, or translated the scriptures into uh, their language. And that is hugely humbling, not least, you know, because when when you think about the the church today where in pockets in Scotland the church is thriving, but in many situations we're, we're, we're we're still declining. And yet we have this incredible heritage that the, the courage and the um, and spirit of adventure that Scottish, our Scottish forebears have had in taking the gospel to other parts of the world is incredible. And we're seeing the fruit of that as the, as the church grows, as the church in China grows. Mm-hmm. Um, As the church in Korea, the Protestant church in Korea has grown and they trace their spiritual heritage to John Ross from Ballantore, Mm -hmm. who translated the scriptures, a a gospel initially, into into Korean. Um, You think about the the growth of the church in South America Mm -hmm. uh, and the impact of of Scottish uh, missionaries there. The growth of the church in India through William Carey and his Um, translation of
0: of the scriptures. What about church in hard places like the last Bible Society magazine, which was really excellent, had a feature on the church in Syria. Uh, It was very moving to to hear about that. Have you been there? Have you met the people out there?
1: Um, I haven't been to Syria. Um, I have met George several times. George is the uh, man who heads up the Bible Society in Syria. Uh, and I'm in fairly regular contact with George. I, I'm again always amazed when, you know, George will say to me, We're still alive and we're still working. Mm. And that the, the demand that they are experiencing for Bibles just keeps growing in an incredibly tough situation. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we can learn and, and take some encouragement from that because we now in our UK context, our Scottish context, are experiencing a, a tough situation. It's nothing like our brothers and sisters in, in these other parts of the world that are, are suffering either extreme poverty or persecution. Um, but, you know, we've got our own tough situation. God works in tough situations. God, um, often when people are are pushed to some extremes that they're not used to, it opens up the possibility for them to hear God. God is is constantly seeking to communicate with us. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: He's not a silent God. And so I I think the church, for the church here in Scotland to to take some heart and to keep praying into this coronavirus situation um, and to find opportunities to speak hope and to speak peace to people who are feeling an anxiety um, that maybe they haven't experienced before. And I think the growth of the church in, in places where Christians are under pressure um, is is really a is a lesson to us and and should um, encourage us it should remind us to keep praying for them and it should give us um, some encouragement in our own current context
0: mm. so so helpful and so encouraging um just, moving
1: well, I mean, on. I just also add that literally this morning i had an email from a colleague who leads the bible society in peru mm-hmm. and you know, the, the free church in Scotland has got quite mm-hmm. a, a yep. um, good connection with the, with the church in Peru. And he was j- just um, describing their situation there. Um, and they're in a very similar situation to us. In a, a, a national emergency has been declared by their government. They're in lockdown. But so many of the country live in poverty. Mm-hmm. And so many do not have running water, and you think of all the uh, encouragement we 've had over the last few weeks of of how much we should wash our hands yes um, and we support something called the Bread of Life program in peru, and it 's for children who are undernourished um, and it 's to help children have a, a reasonable meal every day uh, along with interaction with Christians. Bible-based children's literature, colouring books, Bible stories and, and Bible lessons. And that's something that we support. And he was simply emailed today letting me know their situation and asking if we could send some more support. And we will, we will do our best to do that uh, because it's a, it's a really difficult situation.
0: Mm. Now, what, one of the things that you are, because of your position, you mix with a lot of different f- tribes, um, is, is there a way, I mean, Christians can disagree about stuff. You and I may even disagree about stuff. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, can you tell a way in which Christians can disagree well? How, how have you found this in, in your experience? A good
1: question. Um, yeah, learning to disagree without being disagreeable.
0: Exactly. Exactly.
1: It's a big challenge, a big challenge. I I think there's a few things that I would say. One is that, first of all, I would say we we have to be, we have to feel free to discuss the things that we disagree about. Um, And, you know, I'm all for rigorous discussion mm-hmm. um, around issues that, that we don't agree on. I think what we need to remember when we are rigorously discussing ideas is that's what we're doing. We're yeah. discussing ideas. We are not disagreeing w- um, with a person. Mm-hmm. We're, we're disagreeing with their ideas. And I think there has to be a distinction.
0: Yes.
1: I think... When you come to so, – so you have to maintain a real respect for the person that you're discussing with. Mm-hmm. And that has helped enormously if people know one another personally. Yes. Um, and so the issues don't become personal. They become a little bit more external. So say, look – Here's something that we've got different views on. Can we look at that together and and discuss it? Mm -hmm. But you maintain the relationship. Mm -hmm. And and I think often when we disagree, we we end up making it too personal and we get relationship breakdown. And I, I can't think that that pleases the Lord. No. When we come to things that we disagree about within the church, often... We, we will conclude that the, the person, you know, I will conclude that the person that agrees with me is more biblical than the person that disagrees with me. And, and we all tend to think that because we all think we've got the best interpretation of Scripture. I think respect displays itself in recognising that actually the other person, has grappled with scripture too. Their their ideas are also rooted in the Bible, as I trust mine are. Um, And I think we we have to recognise that there are different interpretations of, of some issues in the Bible. And what we must unite around are the things that are absolutely clear to around the issue of salvation is in our Lord Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. he is our rescuer Mm -hmm. Um, and I I think when I when I travel and and meet different people whether it's around Scotland or whether it's um, in different parts of the world you know I've, I've been in some church services that are very, very different to anything I'd ever experienced before. I mean, Ethiopian Orthodox church service is very, very different to anything I've ever experienced. And I think what I do is I ask the Lord to help me see Jesus
0: Mm. in people. Mm -hmm. Help
1: me to see Jesus. Um, Because then we can rejoice together as brothers and sisters in him.
0: Wonderful. Wonderful. Elaine, that's a great point in which to end our conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you also to our listeners. If the sound production is a little bit wobbly, um, it's not because Elaine or I have been drinking Merlot this morning. Uh, (laughs) If it's a little bit watery, we're we're not submerged. Um, But thank you so much for joining me for a very interesting conversation. Thank you. Thank you,
1: Dave.
0: It's been a pleasure.